Welcome to Ego Netcast. Today I'm talking to Chris Raymer. My name is Martin Lindeskog, and this is a follow-up conversation. Hello, Chris. Martin, how are you doing? Doing fine. Yourself? I feel great. It's uh, such an honor to be here with you again. Good. It's great to hear. And uh, check here the volume here. So, do you hear me fine? I can hear you great. How about yourself? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I'm doing it. Great. Excellent. So, so thanks for uh, coming on the show again. So, it was a couple of years ago, last time. I think it was in 2012. Seems like a long about. time ago. Yeah. And uh, so the bio people could go to Chris Raymer uh, on Twitter. So, and there... You now have written a book, so in your bio it's saying best-selling author of Happy Work. Link below. Humanist, communicator, former CPA, current wine drinker, coffee, 24-7, 365. Uh, And then book number two in progress. So that will be interesting to talk about also. And beverages, wine, coffee and maybe tea also. So I, I suspect that you would uh, want to discuss tea, so I think we can do that if you like. <laughs> That's great, Chris. <laughs> but first off, uh, what have happened since 2012? Uh, do you want to do a short uh, story there? You have been uh, through many things and uh, done lots of development there. It's very true, and I will promise to try to be short. Uh, as, the, as the ruler of the show, though, you have to cut me off if I continue on for too long. So. <laughs> Uh, Take your time, Chris. I'll tell you what, a lot has happened since 2012. So, you know, in in the year 2012, when we first spoke on your show, you know, I was several years into my new career as a communications professional, as a social media advisor, as a consultant. And I was working at that time for a wonderful firm here in St. Louis. I ended up spending three and a half years there. And during that time, I started writing my book. So I began, I really began writing my book probably in 2011 or 2012. Uh, The book, as you previously mentioned, Happy Work, uh, available in fine bookstores everywhere. And, you know, it, it was, for me, it was just such an amazing project, so difficult to work on, so many emotions, just actually so much work, so much heavy lifting, as we say. But I started working on it. And then you know, it was a nonfiction business book. And so, you know, it was just going to be like every other business book. And then, you know, I was inspired to some degree by Bob Berg and his book, The Go-Giver, uh, yeah. which he co-authored, you know, and I thought to myself, huh, humans learn best by storytelling. Maybe I should turn this into a business parable. Maybe I should turn this into a story, you know, a, a style of writing, which I have no experience like whatsoever except maybe like writing you know pieces for high school english or something you know so Mm -hmm. i you know when i ran the idea by my publisher which was this was back in like 2013 i was really nervous that they were going to like the idea and (laughs) as funny as that sounds and (laughs) and and they did like it and then I was like, oh my goodness, what have I done? Like all that work, you know, I had, I had a nonfiction business book, 60, 65% written. I was well on my way. 
And, and I was liking how it was turning out. But my publisher was really cool about it. They said, just go try it. Try it. Start writing. And they, they said something that really stuck with me. They said, you know, with <laughs> this sounds silly to say, but they said, you know, in fiction, you can just make it all up. You mm-hmm. know, and I was like, okay, yeah, that is what fiction is. It's made up story. But it, they said what they were getting at was that, you know, using fiction and using the power of storytelling, I could craft the message exactly how I wanted it. So to prove a point about kindness in the workplace, for instance, I did not need to go do any research and find a great real life example at this certain company and then interview the people who work there to get the real scoop on what kindness was like in that workplace. I could just write a story about it and mm-hmm. just make it up, you know, with obviously some inspiration from real life. And when they said it to me, I thought, okay, like I'm kind of, I get that. I, I, I can feel the power that fiction can give me to tell the exact story that I want and try to make people feel exactly the way I want them to feel. So anyway, I started writing a non, the, the fiction version of the book. I think the book was going to be called The Happy Work Agreement. I changed it to Happy Work and I wrote this story. And I finished that story uh, in February 2014. At the same time in my work life, I had gone to work for a coffee company here in St. Louis, uh, Missouri, middle of the United States, my hometown, my home country. And so, uh, you know, at the time, I thought that was going to be a dream job because I knew a lot of the people who worked there. I knew the owners of the organization. As you well know, I love coffee. I drink it every day of the year. Right now it is seven o'clock in the morning here and I'm drinking coffee as I speak to you. And I thought to myself, this is going to be a wonderful opportunity for me. So I moved away from the marketing firm and I moved to the coffee company and my dreams of it becoming, you know, like my lifetime job or my, you know, the place where I really make an impact, you know, on a company you know, truly have a case study for myself on what can happen when you apply really amazing marketing communication and storytelling to a business that did not turn out that way at all. So this is an interesting timeline for me was throughout 2014, you know, I I turned the book into the publisher in February of 2014, and the book is not coming out until February of 2015. It takes a full year after finishing it for the publisher to do all their stuff and get it all ready. And so I'm waiting for a whole year. I'm tweeting about happiness in the workplace. I'm doing some speaking engagements on it. And to be quite honest, I was attempting to find my own happiness at that coffee company and was struggling big time to make that happen. And it ended up not being a great place to work. It ended up being a place where all of the things that I believe about communication, I simply couldn't apply there. Uh, it was it was a very difficult environment. I don't think they're bad people by any means, you know. And in the, in the small chance that you know they they may ever listen to this, of course, I'll be tweeting it out once you post it. Yeah, uh, you know, and posting about it on all my social channels. The truth is, it was just a terrible fit, you know. Mm. And what what's interesting now is I have moved on. Mm. I, I kind of had to move on. They told me to get a new job, 
That was after nine months of being there. I'm doing some work now at Maryville University, uh, which is an up-and-coming, amazing university here in St. Louis, that uh, I'm doing much of the same great work at Maryville now, and it is being very well received by all of our key demographics, all of our key stakeholders, the people who are reading all the tweets, watching all the videos that we're creating, reading the Facebook posts. They're all greatly appreciating it. The, the fans of the coffee company were appreciating the work I was doing too. You could tell. Our, our sales were up. Our online sales were up. That was because we make great coffee. I should say they make great coffee. And because of the marketing I was doing. It was because of the email marketing I was doing. I was sending emails whenever we had a new coffee from Kenya or Peru or Indonesia. You send an email out to people and they buy the coffee same day. They're waiting for our coffees. They don't do much email marketing anymore now that I'm not there. They don't. Hmm. So I'm doing much of the same great work at Maryville. But at Maryville, it's obviously it's a university, so it's a learning environment. It is being incredibly well received. and. I'm just, it's working out so much better. And, you know, I was thinking about this the other night. Um, like, why does it still bother me that my previous job didn't go well when my new job, and I've been there 18 months now, so in next April, I'll be celebrating two years there. I honestly mm-hmm. hope to stay there for a long time. I'm getting so much out of the job. I feel like they're getting so much out of the work I'm doing. It's just it's a great match. Congrats. I was thinking, thank you. I was thinking to myself, why does it still bother me that that last job didn't go well? And then I think I was driving home after a day at work where things just went really well. And I thought to myself, I came up with the reason why. And it was that those previous experiences still have me second guessing myself. Even though I can tell it's going well at Maryville, I can see all of the numbers. Just the easy stuff to measure. All of our followerships, way up. You know, I built a Snapchat for the university basically from scratch. You know, we didn't have Snapchat. I'm 45 years old, and I figured mm. it out. You know, so mm. an old guy figured out Snapchat. I haven't Snapchat. figured it out yet, and I'm soon 50, is it? <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, I don't use it. I mean, I have it personally, but I don't have many followers on it. I just don't care. I'm having too much fun using it on behalf of yeah. my employer. You know, as I walk Good. around campus, I have these... 18, 19, 20-year-olds, many of them know by my name, but my nickname on campus is Snapchat Guy, believe it or not. <laughs> and also, I'll be walking across campus and someone will say, hey, Snapchat Guy, and it'll be a student that, you know, we have a couple thousand students on campus, you know, so I don't yeah. know them all, but I know many of them, and they call me Snapchat Guy, and you know, it's funny, I'll take it. If they can't yeah. remember Chris, they can always remember Snapchat Guy, and what's cool about it is, Getting to know them and having them know who I am, they see me carrying around my big iPhone, you know, 6 Plus or whatever, and they know that I can promote something for them if they need help. And they love being on the Maryville Snapchat. Like, it's a badge of honor to be on it. Going back to what I was saying about why those previous job experiences bugged me. Well, one, I wrote a book about happiness in the workplace. And as the book was debuting on February 17th of 2015, I had just been told 18 days previous to that that I was going to be losing my job. I found out hmm. January 30th. So I have this glorious moment in my life. I don't mean to sound over, overly dramatic, but I'll just tell you the truth. 
it was a huge moment in my life to have my first book come out. And I was having all of these heavy emotions about losing this other job and having to tell my wife, you know, mm. and having her really freak out about it, like more than me, just because, well, what wife would want their husband to lose their job? And then, you know, <laughs> that doesn't sound very exciting. So, mm. you know, I'm giving these speeches about happiness in the workplace while I was sad. I was having to hold myself together and I, I couldn't quite tell the truth yet that I had lost my job because the coffee company was very nice enough to let me continue to, to, to look for a job while employed. So hmm. they kept me on board for two whole months while I looked for a job. Great. They gave me two months and I used hmm. the two months and I found this job at Maryville. So I should say something nice about them and that they did help me out there. And, but, you know, I think, so 2014, 2013 was a big year because I was writing this book and trying to give birth to it. 2014, I started a job that ended up not going well. 2015, the book came out and it went just so well. I'm so proud of the book. You know, I, yes, I could have sold many more copies and I'm, it's selling slowly now, but it's still selling. Hmm. And then 2015, I start this new job. And 2016, now, as I speak to you, I'm right in the middle of this job, and I'm loving it. And I don't see myself leaving it. I really like the environment there. And I'm writing my second book now, which is a book on social media. And so I've had some happy times during those four years that have passed, but some, some difficult times too. But I have to say I'm feeling good now. Great to hear. Thanks for that um, journey. It is fascinating. And I have some uh, uh, follow-up questions there and some um, introspection there also when I was listening to you. Uh, a quick one. How big is Maryville University? I, I went to a college university in Manchester, New Hampshire, and it was maybe 1,500 or students. And when I was walking around the campus there, I was called the uh, nickname by some as Quicksilver, like the clothing brand. Because yes. I often wear, wear that kind of thing. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Maryville has a mixture of what we call on-ground students, traditional yeah. students who come in. And those students are actually a mixture of what we call traditional, sometimes we call them trad, mm. short for traditional, students of traditional college age mixed with adults who are coming back to school. Yeah. We have several thousand of those students, maybe 3,000. And then... We have maybe, I don't have these numbers right in front of me, but over 3,000 online students. So we yeah. have a very wonderful nursing, online nursing program that started several years ago that already has several thousand students in it. So being in the online space is only a few years for us. We've only been doing it for a few years, three, four, yeah. five years maybe, but it's been going very, very well. There are nursing students from all over the country that, you know, don't have to leave their home in order to. Uh, get the training and the degree they need to become a nurse. So, so right now we have total, I think, 6,500 students. Yeah. And we just had a record uh, freshman class. We don't call them freshmen. We call them first-year students because yep. uh, the traditional freshman, sophomore, junior, senior model mm. uh, assumes that you're only going to go to school for four years. But if you want to become a physical therapist uh, or what we call PT here in America, You have mm. to go to school for at least six years. So yeah. we started calling them first-year students. But we just had a record uh, 
enrollment for our first year students. So, you know, some universities are struggling uh, because it is too expensive. Mm. Even we're too expensive, and we've said so. We're trying to stop raising tuition as often as we do. We want, we need college to be accessible. We, as in America, we need college to be more accessible to more students and a more diverse population. It's good for our country and it's good for the world. So we're working on that to the best of our ability. But lots of colleges are struggling. They just don't have enough students. Not Hmm. enough students can afford them. And so there are colleges that are actually going out of business, as crazy as it sounds. And we don't have that problem right now. So we're on the rise. And it's a really, that actually also makes it a great place to work. Certainly an easier place to work, but a great place to work also. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, at Southern uh, uh, New Hampshire co- uh, University called uh, New Hampshire College uh, previously, uh, where they started out when I went there in 97 to 2000 uh, with Blackboard and with online education and so on. So that, uh, they, they were very early there uh, and they yeah. started this three-year program that was integrating experience. So you learn from the different um, um, topics and areas. And the teachers talk to to each other and communicating on the levels and so on. And then at the end of a, every semester, you had an integrating experience and a presentation. We call it Hell Week by students <laughs> because it you had to show everything that you have learned for a semester, and then did a presentation for your uh, fellow classmates and students, and the teachers and and uh, uh, the principals and the presidents and whoever wanted to. Uh, Uh, show up and and uh, be participate in in the presentation. So it was a very interesting, and it was a new a new thing. Uh, this three year program to to get a degree in three years instead of general four years. So it was it was a first thing there at uh, Southern New Hampshire University. So and I liked how they use the technology. It was mandatory to have a uh, to get a computer uh, at that time, ninety seven. So so that was fun. Interesting to hear about that. And then uh, to to go back then to the coffee and so on. Um, I mean, I'm writing a book on tea. My, uh, it will be a book series of tea. And I was thinking of doing a fable or some uh, yeah fiction f- first, and uh, talk about the Boston Tea Party history and so on, and and uh, also um, like a moral uh, story. Uh, but then you have all the characters, you have all the plots and whatever and whatnot. And then I thought about this uh, fact book uh, that you uh, write, write like nonfiction, traditional like uh, culinary book or, or recipes or whatever, or, or how to prepare tea. But that's already written in a way. So then my illustrator, John Cox, He came up with the idea, how about do a series of books with uh, like a children books, the format in the size and, and the volume and do f- uh, interesting uh, illustration together with uh, sketches and thoughts about tea. So it will be like eight books uh, and I have a crowdfunding campaign there now for the first book on black tea. And then another book on black tea and then green tea and white, yellow and then things that also not... Uh, is tea but people often call it tea like rooibos red tea interesting so, um, 
So uh, when you're talking about your story going from from this uh, uh, non-fiction, uh, doing that, and then going back to fiction, uh, it's interesting because I've done that, but in in a way, other way around, you could say. Uh, yeah. I w- I want to have continued conversation online on blogs and others about tea. Uh, so that's my thing. Uh, what I'm struggling with uh, the process. So I could hear you because it's self-publication. Um, with how long time it could take with a with an um, company publishing company and so on but also if you do it everything yourself <laughs> it could also take time <laughs> and this crowdfunding so uh, you gave me lots of inspiration there chris so i appreciate that uh, let, very much let me uh, let me say yeah. something real quick about uh, publishing so you know that people will always ask oh should i you know try to get a book deal you know mm-hmm. should i work with a publisher or should i self publish and of course, there is no right answer. There's no. only one or the other. You just have to yep. decide what's good for you. My motivation in working with a publisher uh, was, well, one, I can tell you that if you get the right publisher, they really do help with mm. a lot of the work that it mm. takes to make a book pu- like available for sale and yep. also good. Mm. There are some publishers that don't help very much with the marketing of a book. And I would say that that's most publishers. Mm. My publisher definitely tried, and I love my publisher, but it wasn't like they were totally amazing at the marketing part. They, the marketing of the book is, most publishers is really left to the author. Mm. It really sounds crazy that that's the case, but it is so. Uh, Of course, when you publish, the downside of, Going with the publisher, well, one, I had never really thought about it, but your point is, uh, to to make this point is important, you know, there is more of a lead time, you know, so Mm. I finished the book in February 2014. You you can imagine how proud I was of it. And then I had to sit around and wait for 12 months, a whole year. I was like, Mm. let's put this thing out now. We got to, I can't wait to get the word out about this. And it was just not the way that that publisher works. And so... Mm. I think some, one of the pros, one of the good reasons maybe to use self-publishing is, you know, it could be a bad thing, I guess, but you are in control. You can make the mm. book look the way you want. You can price it the way you want, which can help yep. you make the amount of money that you want. You can make yep. a lot more per sale than you can if you go with a publisher. Um, mm. One thing I did fail to mention, too, is, is that I will admit to you that having your book published by a publisher, a lot of people are going to look at the book and think it's much cooler. Yeah. And it's just, I have to admit, like, this was important to me, partly because I wanted, I mean, the amount of but money Chris, I you're gave, already a cool guy, right? I suppose, but, you know, the <laughs> thing is, you want the book to be read by strangers. Yeah, I know. You need the book to be absorbed by people and respected, and for some reason... Lots of readers respect a published book more than self-published. And so, it was important to me to go that Mm. way and have this book. I wanted it to get respect. Mm. Uh, And so, I think the book is a great read and it deserves respect. But for some people, you see a self-published book and they're just not as interested in it. It's just part of life, unfortunately. Yeah. And I think... So, you're going to do self-publish, you think? Yep. And I must say, uh, Chris, I mean, you have my respect already and for a long time. And that's why it's so nice to hear you talking about this and have you on the show for the second time. So, 
and also interesting to see how you ended up with your new job. And we could talk about that also how you could use social media to to getting leads and to getting a new job that you uh, you are happy at. But yeah, I'm going on with self publishing, and it's the big book fair starting tomorrow here in in Gothenburg, Sweden. It's uh, I think the second biggest one in Europe after a German book fair. So I will Excellent. go to. Uh, book publishers and others. I mean, I don't have a name there yet, so to speak. So I'm um, I'm open to to get it get the publisher later on, and I have some contacts in America with publishers and so on. But this book is so first book of a series of book is so special. So I think I have to do it in a way myself. Um, but it's lots of hustle, lots of struggles. But uh, I see it in front of me, and and that's what what I'm when I hear your story about happiness. Uh, like uh, this coffee roaster. When I heard about it, I was so happy for you because I knew how much you like coffee. Uh, and uh, but I understand that thing, and uh, the same thing for me for clients to find that for new media. But it has to be that fit. And I've been doing with social media for a long time, and I mean, in in a way, it's still early how to use uh, social media. So I'm I'm very looking forward to to. To to your book, and I think that will be one of my favorite and a book that I could use in education and client work and so on. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's great. Uh, do do you want to tell a bit more about um, uh, how you used social media in order to to get to to your uh, job here at academia? And also, you you talk about academia and university. Have they applied your ideas um, to the business world? Oh, that's interesting. That's an interesting question. Uh, have they like? Have they, are there happy work principles in place yep. at Maryville? You know, I haven't been able to really affect that too much there, um, but I can tell you that overall, you know, it is a pretty good place to work. And you know, no, not everyone is happy there. It's that's welcome to the real world, you know. But mm. it is a pretty decent place to work. Um, I mean, it's a really great place to work. So, yep. um, I I have had so I have quite a few coworkers who have read my book, mm-hmm. and I've, I always go and have a coffee with them at the campus coffee shop, and I talk with them about what they liked about it and what challenged them in the book, maybe what they disliked or disagreed with in the book. So it's been that is one thing that I've been doing that. It's a great answer to a question that I get a lot. They say, I don't run the company. I'm, mm. not one, I'm not one of the upper management. How can I take your book? How can I apply? How can I change my workplace when I don't lead? I don't run the company. And mm. I always say, lead from your position. Wherever mm. you're at, do the work of leading from your position. So in this case, I love the fact that my book has been read by some of my coworkers, and my book is in the Maryville University uh, bookstore for sale, and my mm-hmm. book is also in the library. If you don't feel Great. like buying it, you can go to the Maryville <laughs> University Library. And I have these conversations with my coworkers, and I'm leading from my position. I'm those people are appreciating what I have to say about work, and they know where I'm coming from. They know how I feel about this stuff. So mm. whether I'm one of the big top leaders in the company or not. I am building a coalition of people who believe what I believe. They understand what I'm saying, and they will hopefully take the principles and work 
on those principles in their department at Maryville. So, hmm. no, I did not march into the president's office and say, I need you to read this book, and then we are going to have a conversation about it. There will be a quiz afterwards, and I will <laughs> make sure that you understand everything about it. He, uh, our president, does like to read, and I don't think he's read my book yet, and that's fine. What's interesting, hmm. though, is when I leading from my position means living these core values out, living, that, living these core values out in everything that I do to the best of my ability, and having people see my example and hopefully follow it and mimic it and act that way also, that can make Maryville a much better place. Now, you had a question that you asked first before that, and I forgot what it was. I'm sorry. That's no problem. It, it was uh, uh, about, uh, yeah, academia, how you applied it to, to yes. business, like uh, business uh, Uh, companies and so on that have read uh, your book because I mean in academia you have one kind even if it's a private uh, institution so have have, uh, have you had uh, feedback on that um, or and is is your book at Sappos library the, the pursuit of happiness library oh I don't know about that library what library is it Sappos uh, that are owned by uh, Amazon You know, the oh, shoe company. Zappos. Yes, yes. Yeah, um, Zapp- good question. I don't know. I should probably send them a copy. Um, yeah, they should, it should definitely be there. Yeah, I mean, they have I, a whole library uh, about happy, uh, happiness and, and oh. uh, the pursuit of happiness and uh, how they, uh, I mean, uh, get it through the whole organization. I was unaware uh, that they had. And, and Tony C, he, he wrote a book about that also a long time ago. He so. did, Delivering Happiness, which was, yeah. uh, which was a good book. So I don't know Tony uh, Shea by, by, uh, personally, but perhaps I'll try to send them a copy. So I, I remember, your, here's a question that I would love to answer. You would ask, like, how have I been able to apply social media, for instance, in order to help make my transition from the coffee yep. company to to Maryville? The answer is definitely yes. And what I would say is is that ever since I started using Twitter in 2008, Hmm. and I started doing public speaking in 2008, 2009, speaking about social media, then speaking about my career transition going from, you know, business and accounting to marketing and communication speaking about that, then speaking about workplace culture and happiness in the workplace, meeting people, lots of people, going to networking events and just meeting people and sort of transitioning to being an extrovert, you know, someone who really likes being around people. When I was an accountant, I never really went and hung out with the accountants too much, you know, but uh, all of these connections led up to a point January 30th, 2015, when I was told, uh, after nine months, you will have to go get a new job. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. And I kind of freaked out a little bit. And then my wife kind of freaked out a little bit. And then I told her, by the way, they're going to let me stay employed and paid while I look Mm -hmm. for a job. And then she felt better. And that Mm -hmm. was good. Still freaked out a little and probably not trying not to show it. Hmm. But all of that previous togetherness, I will call it, networking, making connections, 
literally tweeting with people, yes, but blogging, commenting on people's blogs, and, and honestly, meeting people in person, very important. Yep. Um, led to a point when I finally needed something pretty serious from my community, from my friends, from my connections, from my LinkedIn connections, from my Facebook friends, from everybody. I needed, I needed their ears, their eyes and their ears. I needed their help in finding a job. So during the month of February 2015, not only was I trying to launch this book successfully, but I was also making private outreach. I was privately reaching out to people who I knew, asking for their advice on what kind of job they think I should look for, because I had no idea. I was not targeting higher education. Hmm. And just, it wasn't, I mean, I didn't know what I wanted, Martin. You know, I just didn't know. I knew that I didn't want to feel crappy anymore. Yeah. That was the one thing. People said, well, what do you want? And I said, well, I don't want to feel sad anymore. <laughs> They're like, oh, poor baby. You know, but seriously, I just wanted to feel better. And yep. so, uh, as I started having meetings with these people privately, I started to realize that there were going to be opportunities for me. And then, the coffee company, they told, I needed for them to tell all of their employees that I was going to be leaving the company so that I could take my job search public. And when I say public, I mean post about it on my blog and on all social media. I've never conducted a job search like this. I don't know how often you've searched for a job in the past, but it's usually private because you already hmm. have a job. Yep. So you can't just go on social media and say, I'm looking for a job. Your current employer might see it. This hmm. was the first time ever that I was able to be completely public about my job search. I suppose hmm. the first time would be right out of college yep. back in 1993. But back then, nobody knew who I was and there was no social media. There was looking in the newspaper for the help wanted ads and the advertisements. You know, it's a different world now. Yep. So the coffee company made the announcement. And then on March 4th, 2015, I wrote a blog post. Hmm. I will, I'm going to tweet it to you right now so you can look at it sometime. You possibly Great. have never seen it. Yeah, we'll include um, that in show notes also. Yeah. I just sent it to you right now. And it is Thanks. called, I it. Both it's both. called Chris Reimer is available for hire. Hmm. So, and I used, I think somewhere. Yes, I did. So I, I like sports analogies. I think there's a lot of things that we can learn in business yep. from sports. So in the third paragraph, You'll see, I say, I am officially a free agent. Hmm. Uh, free agent, a term meaning uh, it's an athlete that can go work anywhere. Yeah, They're available for hire from any company. And so I thought of myself as a free agent. People think, Martin, that I'm so good at all this stuff, right? I mean, people call me the Twitter guru, they call me <laughs> all these silly names, you know? Yep. And I was once ranked, literally, I was ranked the number one Twitter user in all of St. Louis. There's three million people in St. Louis area. I was number one. I mean... If I'm so good at this, mm. then somebody mm. is going to see this and think, I need this guy on my team. So I'm yep. like testing. I'm testing this theory. So I put this blog post out. I kept it pretty short. There's a paragraph, fourth paragraph. Here is what I'm looking for. And I was very clear about it. By this point, I had kind of figured out. I still didn't know about higher education yet. But I was thinking, this, is, this, is, this could work. So I put this post out and it completely worked. 
Mm. It was amazing. I started receiving all of these messages from people saying, hey, have you heard about this job? Hey, you should go talk to Martin. He might know something. You know, and so like if someone said, here's a job that's available, that was a pretty solid lead. You know, mm. I could go look at that job. I could uh, uh, analyze, review, and decide if I wanted to pursue it. If someone said, hey, go talk to this Martin guy. I didn't know if it was going to be a good opportunity, but I always went to the meeting. I took mm. every meeting. I had nothing. I mean, I had nothing better to do. And you might say, well, the coffee company was still hiring you to work. It didn't matter. I was going and taking every meeting. They told me to go get a new job. So hmm. I did it. So one of the people who reached out to me was a professor at Maryville who I became friends with years previously. I was actually friends with two of the communications professors at Maryville. Uh, and they saw my post somewhere. It was either on Facebook or on LinkedIn, or maybe they just came to my blog. Who knows? But they saw it and they said, hey, did you see this job at Maryville? And they sent me a link to the job. And I, I had not seen it. I hmm. had, and I was like, no, that's interesting. I read the job description. It looked pretty good. I was still a little confused about what I wanted out of my future, right? But I was like, that looks pretty cool. Maryville is a 25 or 30 minute drive. So not, I wasn't so happy about where it's located which is really funny to think about now. because It's like the job is so great. I would even drive longer way to go to it. But back then I was thinking, oh, it's just it's so far away, you know, in the traffic. <laughs> so they, she sends me this link. I look at it. I say, that's interesting. Um, uh, tell me about who I would be working for. And my friend told me about the VP, the vice president of marketing, who's now my boss, and told me she's a pretty cool person. And then she starts talking to me about Maryville. And we're doing all of this in Facebook private message. She's just messaging me constantly. <laughs> she said, we need you on campus. We need you at Maryville. Maryville needs what you do. So she knew from all of my previous tweeting and my blogging, she'd been at some of my speeches before. I had done a guest lecture at Maryville back in 2012 that the other communication professor, I did it at her class. So they knew that I knew exactly what I was talking about. And all the work that I do is online. It's all viewable. Everyone can come see a speech anytime they want. So I had built this reputation as someone who knew what they were talking about. So she started recruiting me. And then she started also messaging my boss saying, you need to have him come in for an interview. So there's this person at Maryville, her name is Dr. Rebecca Dorman, who is completely responsible for me having this job and being as happy as I am because she was recruiting me and telling my boss, you must bring this person in. Here's the crazy thing, though. Maryville was going through a rebranding. Hmm. So our entire visual identity was changing. It was debuting in April. and. Obviously, during the entire month of February, the entire month of March, they must have been working hard on this, getting it all prepared. And at the same time, she's receiving messages from this communication professor saying, oh, by the way, that really important job you have open, like, which you're not doing much work on right now. You're not doing, the search is not really happening. Like, the job posting is out there, but you're not interviewing anyone because you're busy. You have to stop what you're doing and bring this guy in. 
And my boss was probably like, I don't have time for this. But she knew how important it was. And the professor was harassing her about it. And so <laughs> I come in and my boss is very generous with her time. She gives me the time. I have a quick interview. Then I have the second interview, which is with five different people, you know, and hmm. I have, and I get the job, you know, they offer me the job and I think, and then I find out that the, the benefits are very good, you know, like it's good health insurance. It's good, you know, retirement, all this different stuff. And I thought I should have been looking for this job earlier, you know? Like, I should have been, this is a very interesting life that I'm living now there. I, I should have been looking for this job sooner. I did not know how interesting higher education would be. So, to answer the question, all of the work that I did, both in social media and blogging, and then creating real relationships with people offline, in person, in person mattered. It all led to a point where, when I needed help, there was a community of people willing to help me. Great, great story. And I could reflect very yesterday I did a talk uh, and a workshop on LinkedIn and uh, other social media tools and platforms and so on. And this one of the things I uh, showed on a slide was this uh, our, uh, marketing hourglass by uh, Jan Jansch about uh, no like, trust, uh, try, buy, uh, repeat and refer. And and your example is fair of a uh, great example of referral marketing and how somebody giving you warm leads, so to speak, and in internally uh, pushing for uh, for your position and so on. And um, I have a, a thing there, and I will ask for a favor. Um, a good friend called Merle uh, uh, Nilsson, and she has written like a, a similar post, like you, an update on her. A consultant company that she's working for but um, her uh, how to say project is uh, finished and she knew about that but she could put an update there but she's also now a free agent it's in <laughs> you know the IT sector and um, like a project coordinator and other things like that and she's a really good friend and I said uh, I will do what I could do and spread the good word because she had put it on on her LinkedIn uh, uh, place also uh, like one of the sections uh, so and, and she were able to do that and also put it on the company site uh, and i introduced her to the blogging world when she ran a marathon in hawaii and she did like an, uh, a journal about her her uh, her plans and the, the race and so on and how she got inspired by doing a this kind of uh, adventure when she read about the lady that was, I think, 80 or 90 or something like that, running her marathon. So she says everything is possible. And she has some other ideas about uh, blogging with some other um, friends that I have been, uh, as a, how to say, coach uh, bo uh, bouncing back and forth. And their idea is great. So I hope they will put that uh, together and uh, I could help along there. So it's great to hear that uh, story. So um, it thing takes time, as I say. And but have you have if you have similar to like uh, nurturing, uh, I'm I'm fan of uh, as you hot sauces and and spicy food and chili peppers. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it if you put a seed, it takes like maybe two weeks before maybe something comes up, 
and then you have to replant it uh, several times and maybe a half year later you could uh, harvest your first chili peppers. Wonderful. So it takes time. So that that's a, one, that's a great that, that is that is one area where people you know in my I would call him mentor I suppose Gary Vaynerchuk talks a lot about having patience. Yeah. And a lot of folks and I'm not going to say millennials, it's not just young people. Everyone no. struggles sometimes with impatience and the, the the amount of patience that it can take to achieve what you want to achieve i think it's great i have a friend here he's actually the president of a competing university uh westminster university his name is dr benjamin Conde. he talks about the idea of having constructive impatience so mm-hmm. he is an impatient man but it's constructive. It's good. It yep. means he pushes himself. And I can appreciate that. But the amount of patience that it can take to get sometimes where you want to get, uh, it, some things take time. And to build a community of people, it, it, can, it will take time. Let's just put it that way. Great. Yeah. So that's interesting. And uh, uh, we have a nice conversation here around half time, um, and it's more than that now. But we maybe uh, uh, talk a bit more um, if if you don't are in a hurry. Um, is talking about the affiliate here with Audible, and my question is uh, directly: uh, Is or when will uh, your book be in uh, audio format? Ah, uh, you mean Happy Work? Yes. Yeah, that's a great question. The answer is probably never. Um, okay. That it came, it's just one of those things where, you know, I talk with the publisher and the, we just, we haven't pulled it off yet. So mm. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. I, I kind of was hoping that it would, but uh, right now there are no plans for, for there no. to be audio. But uh, I'm rooting for it. Uh, and then people <laughs> could go to audibletrial.com forward slash ego netcast. But I'm also affiliate for Amazon that owns Audible, so they could go there also, and I will include that in show notes, and I will get uh, get your book there. And uh, it's funny when you mention Gary Weinerschak, that was the latest purchase I did on from Audible, uh, when he did Ask Gary V with the hashtag. Yes. Uh, and it was funny how I used this audio book that people like Seth Godens and others asked questions that other had um uh, place forward uh, so it was a funny way how to use uh, the audio format there so and i also shared it you could share a book for free to to somebody and i have a client there but i'm holding her hand in social media and she wants to do it in over a long time and uh, i'm very happy with that uh, decision and and then i forwarded this book uh, to her um, so she could listen and she got very inspired I mean, she want, she will do it in her way, but she got very inspired by by his style and uh, how he hustling and how he say it as it is and so on. So yes. uh, that's uh, that's interesting. And his first book, uh, Crush It, uh, got me inspired with the appendix about starting mm. some kind in the future uh, tea business uh, with my tea interest. That like a uh, you know the book of a month club or a book uh, wine club or a tea club. Well, maybe a coffee club. Yeah. For certain. You know, and a couple of things about Gary, which are interesting that, you know, that Ask Gary V book, hmm. you know, the, the audio book is much different than the actual book. Like, he, okay, yeah. It's, and, and actually, when he went and did the audio book, the person recording it, the audio person said, I've never 
done an audiobook like this before. Like, they, he didn't just read the book. No. He actually, I believe, read the book and then talked about the book. So, yeah. there's many words in the audio version that are simply not in the written version. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing I would say, I always mention this every time I can, is that, you know, his least selling book is his best one. That's mm-hmm. Thank You Economy. Yeah. That, he said it. That has sold the fewest copies of all of his books. Hmm. And I, I love to hear that Crush It inspired you. It inspired so many thousands of people. Hmm. But I've told them, and I believe this strongly, like his, his very best book is The Thank You Economy. And it is one yeah. of the best. It's one of and the best I, business books ever written. Yeah. And I have it in this orange uh, cover and so on. And uh, so I like that also because it has this story. Uh, I mean, back in the day here in Sweden and other places, you had... Um, this, how do you say, farmer shop. Uh, it was like a small shop but that you could get everything uh, in to your household. And the person there also knew about the gossip, the stories, and they knew the customer over time. And that's the, the interesting um, thing, how you could then do this thank you economy, how you, how you could uh, supply with good uh, stuff and products and also service and and have a relationship over time. Yeah. Um, so I, I often take that. I mean, if you take that old type of uh, merchandising, and then uh, you you do uh, do it apply it to this modern day today, uh, that's that's an interesting way of uh, doing business. So I agree with that. So, and that's also um, we, last time you talked about. We talked about the trader principle. So that's my uh, thing that, I mean, you have an exchange of service and, and goods in a voluntary way. Uh, and that's what you did also at when you get went to this farmer shop, you also get, uh, I mean, updates and use and, and uh, tips and so on. So I think that's a great, great idea. And back in the day, you had talking about coffee and we will talk about uh, other beverages also. Um they had this coffee when I started my first, uh, or together with other people, uh, first venture there called uh, Blue Ship Cafe and Business Center. I had read an article in The Economist about the uh, coffee uh, culture in, in England uh, several hundred years ago. So every coffee place had their own style. So one could be like for uh, politicians, for for free thinkers and others. Another could be uh, exchange uh, with merchants and uh, ship builders and others uh, transporting goods. And very, that's how uh, the London exchange started. Uh, another could be with uh, authors uh, and others. So they had their own style. Every coffee place had their own style. And there they got all the updated things and use and so on. And also they could have a, a discussion, conversation, and also some, some even got their mail there because they were there so often. So I think that's still a valid uh, thing, how to communicate and how to meet and how to do, have an exchange. Do you have yeah. any kind of settings there at, at the university that people could uh, meet and join and have an exchange and a conversation? Oh, about Maryville. I mean... Th- if I understand your question, there there are many places to, you know, spend time at Maryville to engage in conversation. We have 
you know, over like 80 student organizations. Um, uh, probably don't want to talk about this too much, but we yeah. do have, uh, we're going to have a uh, presidential debate watch on Monday night. That's interesting. <laughs> it is interesting. So we have, um, you know, we have classes that, uh, you know, deal with political science. And so hmm. that those classes will be conducting uh, a debate watch. We've done this now for, for many years. And so we suspect that Monday night is going to be a big night for, uh, uh, for, for this. And so we'll have, I'm going, I was not, I'll be honest, I was not going to watch any of the debates because no. it's just not good for me to watch those things. Uh, yeah, same not, here. Not, yeah. not good for my health, you know. No. But, um, <laughs> I could read about it the next day, right? But um, yeah. So, yeah, like not wasn't so terribly interested in in watching those. But um, now I have to because I'm going to go to the debate watch and I'm going to do Facebook Live uh, mm -hmm. for a uh, broadcast for Maryville. It will be. I the one thing about me is I cannot resist an amazing piece of content. I have yeah. to go get it. Like, yep. it's just, I'm like a, I, and I think of myself and it's funny if you, any of your listeners are, you know, social media practitioners, uh, whether current or up and coming, you know, I always like, I think of myself as a journalist, you know, like mm. go get in, in English, we call it, go get the scoop, you know, like get yeah. the story. Like, and you have to hustle sometimes to get the story, you know, like a and citizen to, journalist. Yep. Yes. Yes. You know, so if you think of a journalist, sometimes they have to go to dangerous places and ask tough mm. questions, you know, as they're doing their investigation. And I always think of myself as like, you've got to work hard and maybe go do things that other people are not willing to do in order to get the piece of content. So, I, you know, I don't like to work tons of hours. You know, I like to come home and spend time with the family and I really don't want to watch that debate, <laughs> but I can't resist the piece of content. I have to go do Facebook live. I'm going to go there and interview the people who are waiting for the debate to start yeah. I'm hoping to get, you know, people clapping when Trump comes out and people clapping when Hillary comes out. It should just be very interesting. So, yeah. Um, and and I, I will do an interruption where we, I talked to Gary Scholes, um, a few conversations here back. And we talked about that, about free speech and, and the debates. And I have tweeted about that and, and so on, because I am same as you. I, I don't want to watch the debates in a way. <laughs> Because how it is between these two candidates, and I had been rooting for that they, Gary, uh, the, the guy, uh, Gary Johnson would ha received fifteen percent of uh, how do, how do you say the polling, uh, the mainstream oh, media yeah, yeah, doing Johnson, poll, but yeah, he didn't yeah. get it. But I still think he has a chance that he will uh, be in the debates later on, and then it will be much more interesting to watch because then the students could see the traditional and then we could see a third alternative and then maybe it could re resonate to them in a different way so i really hope that for uh, for america's future and for the whole uh, political uh, how to say situation uh, that yeah. that could happen uh, so <laughs> that, that's um, that's interesting to following along and it's also here in, in the media here in sweden and others how how they report on the issue but there again you could go to social media and you could find out uh, alternative news sources and and so on and find 
maybe uh, how to say a bigger picture how how it's really working yes. and i mean when i was in college uh in 97 to 2000 new hampshire of course was an important place to visit so i've been there when mtv tried to get everyone to vote in their rock and roll way so to speak <laughs> and i mean i was an older student there because i've been working for eight years so it was not my cup of tea <laughs> uh, but i understand why they did it and then i mean uh, this guy the sore loser uh, what's his name now uh, environment uh, the democrat where he that lost against bush he, uh, wa- he, he was yeah he was on uh, on stage and then bush was waving from his ranch in texas and so on but it was like a jeep or or, or a, yeah a gig a musical gig I but see. it was pretty interesting to be there in, at the place and watch it and and also tell others about how the importance because i understand the importance of the smaller places and cities and states and the whole, whole electoral college uh, so that that's good to know and i think many should watch have you watched the hbo documentary or the movie uh, john adams i have not no I recommend you that you watch that. It's the uh, second president of the United States. And it's a great story uh, uh, about how and where, how to find happiness and how to, I mean, come uh, to, to sense with the different, um, uh, how to say, colonies to get together. Uh, and also, I mean, as you have talked about your, your wife, also to have somebody on your side to to, to walk the, the straight line and... and to follow your principles and convictions and your values. Uh, it's a great, uh, great TV series. It's three parts, I think. Uh, John Adams. Cool. Good. So what's, uh, in short, you're, now we talked about what's happening and what you're doing now. Future plans uh, besides the debate and uh, Facebook Live. I haven't done Facebook Live yet, so I better, better do that someday. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I doing do. some tea tasting or something like that, yeah. I think that would be good. And yep. I have not done Facebook Live for myself personally, but I've done it on behalf of Maryville University, I mean, 10 or more times. And uh, I have to say that they, they've gone very well. People have really, mm. and it's not, here's the thing with Facebook Live, it's not a matter of people actually watching live. Like mm-hmm. I, don't prom- I don't promote, hey, I'm going to be going live at eight o'clock. You know, I could do that. Yeah. And I could get lots of people to be watching live, but I mm. don't do it. Yeah. I go I go live, I get some viewers, and Maryville has uh seven thousand four hundred people who have liked its page, I think. Oh. Uh, it's climbing, you know. And I think maybe fifteen or twenty people maybe have watched live like at any one time. But mm. then the video lives on your page as a post oh, once okay. you're done. It stays there. As a, like could, a, you pi- could you pin it so it will stay on the top or, or will it uh, go question. down? You in, probably in, can. Yeah. You probably can. I haven't done that. But yeah, I mean, it's so it stays on the page and then you can promote it. You can pay money to have more people see it. So the video, you don't have to watch it live. Most people no, are not watching okay, their good. videos live. Um, yeah. So, you know, I recommend it. I, it's been for Maryville. Even the videos that don't get tons of likes, they're still very useful to the people who are interested in them, whether it be I'm doing Facebook Live with the new soccer coach, or I'm doing Facebook Live from our local 
botanical garden at midnight yeah. when the, the it's called the corpse flower you know that huge flower that smells really bad when it blooms yeah you know it opens up yeah. so i went at midnight, I went and did Facebook Live with our biology professor who was mm. at the, you know, it's just interesting stuff like that. Um, as far as future plans go, uh, I do have this second book it is in progress. Mm. Uh, it's going to be a book about social media. Yeah, I have not done very much writing for it yet, but I have many, many notes. Yeah. Uh, and so I have a, so I, my, I need more of a plan to like work on it. I need to make some time to work on it. I've been very busy at Maryville, but, and I have not spoken with my publisher about whether they want the book or not. So I'm not hmm. worried about it. I, I just, I will put a book together and they'll either want it or they will release me. They have a contract for like an option on my second book. So if they want it, I guess I have to go with them. But if they don't want it, I'll just self-publish it and hmm. I could get couple thousand people to buy it probably you know and this is an important work for me also you know the first book was important to me because workplace culture matters and happiness human happiness matters to me a lot but uh doing social media well is also important to me just doing communication in general well is very important to me so i'm i'm looking forward to publishing my thoughts on this matter and so it probably I can imagine that this book probably will not be out for at least two years, but I guess I should be patient. And I need to actually, as Gary would say, hustle. I need to like sit down and I need to work on this book and I need to write some chapters. I need to start writing. Uh, I've done a little bit, but not enough. So that's my plan is to get this book finished. Yeah, and I think that's a great, great idea, and I look forward to it. I mean, my main thing will be a physical uh, hardcover small book. Uh, but I have ideas about the e- ebook also, like to to the donors and the backers and so on. And yes. we could talk more about that um, at some other time. So, and I mean, updated like uh, when Chris Brogan did, or was it um, Guy Kawasaki when he did on Google Plus? He did yes. it also an ebook that he could update and so on. So yeah, uh, it, it will be interesting to follow along there, uh, uh, Chris. So. More about uh, at the at the end here. Um, you, you know, you should of course plug your site where you where you could find uh, people, listeners could find you, and so on. Uh, and also, if you have something, uh, I will include that uh, uh, the free agent post. Uh, if you have some other things that you want to direct them to, um, to the book or to the future products, you're more welcome to mention that. Thank so, you. where could people uh, find you, Chris? Well, um, I would invite all of your listeners to connect with me on LinkedIn. Yeah. Uh, my LinkedIn, well, just search for Chris Reimer. There are several Chris Reimers, but if you're interested in finding the real me, you can go to linkedin.com slash I-N slash Rizzo Tees. That was the name of my old t-shirt company. So yep. R-I-Z-Z-O-T-E-E-S. And I'll even just send you that just in case. Uh, Great. It didn't come through. But um, I can also be found. Thanks. I don't, I don't actually spend a lot of time on my website anymore, to be honest. Uh, but chrisreimer.com. Uh, chrisreimer.com slash happy work is where you can learn more about my book. And if any of your listeners are interested, 
uh, and purchasing it, Amazon is a great place uh, to purchase it. And I would be, I'd be honored if anyone decided to read it because of our, our interview. I spend a lot of time on Twitter still, even though Twitter is not as great as it used to be, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but twitter.com slash Chris Reimer, R-E-I-M-E-R. I would love if a listener sent me a tweet and just said, hey, I always respond and I like making new friends, whether they're in person or not. It's uh, Twitter's been, over the years, an amazing place for me just to learn more about myself, learn more about the world around me, learn more about business and communication. And so, it, even though it is deeply flawed, it is still probably my favorite social media place, and I'll probably believe that until it dies or gets purchased by Facebook, right? Yeah, I say the same. So, uh, so uh, <laughs> that could be interesting to continue the conversation about uh, Twitter's um, challenges and so on. So um, that's uh, funny to hear. And um, I think I have uh, that I had the first conversation with, with new guests. I often ask them about suggestions of future guests and uh, or and or topics. Do you have any? in mind or somebody that you could direct me to so i could uh, tell my virtual assistant uh, artificial intelligence amy at x dot ai about that uh, or uh, artificial intelligence in uh, the domain name that you got uh, booking you know <laughs> before we met yes here. yes uh, the, your artificial intelligence uh, agent was quite intelligent actually Uh, it was a little bit weird. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I think that you should, and I'll tweet his name to you right now, and I'm pretty sure that he'll be interested in doing it. Um, but there is a gentleman, uh, a friend of mine, he's also a St. Louisan, but yeah. he's much more successful than me and travels the world doing his work, and his name is Dave Gray. Yeah. And he has, a, he has a brand new book out called Liminal Thinking, and he would okay. be a brilliant guest for you uh, to have on. And so I just tweeted the both of you and he should be willing to come on your show Thanks. because he has a new book out and he yeah. needs to sell it. So I think he should make <laughs> the time for you. Yeah. That's great, Chris, and I appreciate that. And uh, and that also what have happened during my, because I'm, as you said, hustle with, with this podcasting Um, and done it for for a long time, ten years time now, and it's to get this regular schedule again. And one thing is to get guests in the pipeline. And I also like uh, authors and others that have reached out to me to get on board. Uh, yeah. What I like with this is that we followed each uh, along uh, with from the uh, Rizotis time uh, and so on, and about our uh, passion for bacon and other things like that. <laughs> And and that's why I want um, because it's some years ago when we met and I uh, wanted to have you on the show again. So I, I will continue with the uh, the inter- individuals that I have interviewed. So it's about thirty five, forty people now. So I have have some time to do. But it's good to get tips on new guests also and people, authors, entrepreneurs, small business owners, and others. Uh, that want to come on the show. So I appreciate that very much, Chris. Thank you much for that. So um, now about beverage, you said about wine. That's you don't drink that twenty four seven. 
It's coffee that you drink. How often do you drink tea? And please so now, talk about your wine interest also. Yeah, I mean, so I drink coffee in the morning and I drink wine in the evening. So truthfully, I don't drink coffee all day. Uh, I don't. Mm. I don't enjoy coffee in the afternoon or the evening. It is not something that I ever do. Coffee is very much a morning ritual for me. Yeah, and I I hate to disappoint you on your turf, but I don't drink tea very often, to be honest. When presented with a tea. It can be wonderful. I mm -hmm. can go to a friend's house and he always has very special teas and he has this little Japanese uh, tea set and we use it and it is always very wonderful to be with him because of the tea and he's a wonderful conversationalist. But mm -hmm. other than that, I'm just not drinking tea very often. It's, it's coffee, then water. I have mm -hmm. eliminated the number one American beverage habit of soda don't drink anymore yeah. Yeah. so no more with that and then i drink wine in the evening and sometimes beer but not very often so hmm. you're thinking i should work tea into my drinking uh regimen huh yeah that would be a good thing <laughs> you think so i like this yeah i think that uh we will I come like up with a tea blend for you chris I don't know if bacon will fit in it but uh, we will find something that is according <laughs> to your uh, taste there I so like that. that's one of my products that I have that I want to do special uh, personalized tea blends. But my mission is to, to, I mean, educate, entertain and engage people in the plant as it is. I mean, it's same fascinating uh, plant as the coffee uh, plant and also wine um, and so on. Uh, how how you from this plant you get this uh, wonderful uh, uh, beverage. So. Yeah, I will uh, uh, tag along with this idea. And I also have some direct contact with a, a company in India about very fresh and uh, great tasting tea because it's, we, we do, as you've probably found out in the roastery business, depending on when you're picking it, when you roast it and, and where where it's coming from and so on, you can get all these kind of different taste experience. Yes, yes, yeah. for sure. So, but I like what you said about, uh, and it's not to be uh, against or, or uh, versus, but uh, what you said about your uh, conversationalist friend that had this tea ceremony in the Japanese way, and that's one of my goal to 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 go to Japan and and uh, participate in a tea ceremony. I'm drinking this, and I'm also a distributor, independent distributor of a tea called matcha green tea in yes. uh, in powder form. So that's have been a ritual for me also. So, Wonderful. Uh, yeah. So I like uh, what what you say that you sit down and you have a conversation about tea because the coffee, in my way, uh, understanding is that it's more of a kick. But of course, it could be a conversational beverage too, like wine. But it's a bit interesting. You could see the differences um, and the com commonalities between these different beverages. Absolutely. So, so now you probably have finished your coffee and you start your, your on your way to uh, the college, right? I am about to leave the house. I need to leave in a few minutes to get to the university. It's I have yeah. somewhat flexible work schedule. You know, I, I work I work a lot of hours uh, during certain times of the year, but during what I call the school year. When I say the school year, I mean my daughter's school year. 
Mm-hmm. I drive the, I drive both of them to school, and so it doesn't allow me to get to work as early as some other people. But nobody seems to care. You know, I just tell them what my schedule is, and they they allow me to take my daughters to school. You know, this is uh, maybe in Sweden this is not a novel idea, but here. You know, having these having some flexibility is is not always the case. So, hmm. uh, yeah. But I will leave for work shortly, and uh, I have a we have a crazy day today at work. We're shooting an amazing, uh, we're shooting a video today that is going to be a huge challenge for us. So, um, okay, I'm looking forward to meeting the challenge. Hopefully, best premise with that, Chris. And uh, thanks again for the time and the conversation. And a call to action here, uh, stay tuned and go to egonetcast.com forward slash support. And there you see different ways of how you could support the show. And Chris, uh, please say some ending notes here before we hung up. Well, I want to say, first of all, it's, you know, for someone who I've never met before, you know, I can feel, I can feel a real friendship between us. And this is a very interesting form of friendship that some perhaps older generations don't always uh, quite understand or embrace. Of course, back in the day, you know, in English, we call it a pen pal, someone who you would write a note to over the years and use traditional mail and you'd never meet this person maybe until you're, you know, many years after writing all these letters and you feel like you know the person. Well, this is Mm. the new form of that. I feel like I know you and there I've, interestingly with social media, I've, just I've made so many acquaintances like that and learned so much from people. Uh so I I really want to thank you for having me on the show and I should say one more thing about my book again it's called Happy Work. Yeah. One word, I made a new word. I put the words yeah. happy and work together and depending on where you're at in the world, I'm hoping you'll be able to find it on for sale online. Amazon definitely has it. Great. Thank you very much for that, uh, Chris. And I say likewise. And uh, talk to you soon again. Have a great day. Uh, I would like that. You do the same. Thanks so much again for having me on. Cheerio. Bye-bye.